0: Today we're going to continue our series on um, big questions and so today we want to talk about some of the big questions. One of the things I've noticed, um, Maria, where's Maria's right here, Maria texts me or messages me all the time questions and she's like, at work people are always asking me questions, they want to know what I believe about this or what I believe about that and, and what does the Bible say about this or that. And I just want you to know something today, as a Christian you're always going to be asked questions. As a Christian, you're a little bit weird, right? If you're not a little bit weird as a Christian, then you're probably not doing Christian very well. Because Christians should be living a different life than everybody else in the world. Like, we don't live according to the world's customs. We live according to the Word of God. And so our life is going to look a little bit different. So people should be asking you questions from time to time, And so, um, so part of the reason we're doing this series is not just to answer some of your questions, but to give you answers whenever people ask you questions. The Bible says this, it says that the word of God is bread for the eater and seed for the sower. In other words, every time I get up and I preach, there's going to be some of you that already know what I'm talking about. You already get it. Like, you understand the concept. So for you, the message that I preach might just be seed that you can sow into someone else's life. Maybe you understand the concept, but you don't know how to verbalize it. And so my job is to help you verbalize it. For some of you, what I'm giving you is bread for the eater. You're starving. You need something from God's word, and you didn't know it beforehand, so you're looking for the bread because you're the eater. And so those are my two goals for us today. And so before we get started, and we're going to answer some big questions today, before we get started, let me give you three thoughts on questions. Three quick thoughts on on questions. Number one, questions can be traps. All throughout the New Testament, the Bible says that people would come ask Jesus questions and it says, but Jesus understood their heart and he knew that what they were doing is trying to trap him. They were trying to get him to answer a question in such a way that they could um, use that against him. And so you need to understand that sometimes when people ask you questions, it's a trap. Now, they may not be trying to arrest you like they were trying to arrest Jesus. But what they're trying to do is start an argument with you that's not going to be fruitful. So you need to understand right off the bat, when people are asking me questions, I need a little bit of discernment to understand, is what they're asking me a trap or is what they're asking me sincere? There's a big difference in the two. The other thing is this, some questions are best answered in relationship. I was listening to um, Francis Chan, we were talking about Francis Chan the other day in the office, and one of the things we were talking about was, someone asked Francis Chan a very sensitive question um, in a public forum, like on TV. And Francis, right off the bat, recognized ...that this was a trap. And so Francis said, you know what, I would love to answer that question. And, and for whoever is asking that question, I would love to sit down and talk with you... ...and hear your side of the question, why you want to know that answer. And I would love to give you a biblical perspective on that. And, and, and was he, was Francis trying to sidestep the question? No. What he was trying to do is he was trying to understand that, A, this is a trap... ...you're just trying to get me on TV saying something to get me in trouble, right... And so here's what I want to do. I want to answer that question in person, in relationship. There's going to be some questions that people are going to ask you in front of other people. And it's best if you say, look, that's a question that you and I need to sit down and have lunch. Why don't we go to dinner? Why don't we go to coffee? And why don't we talk it out instead of me giving this one big answer and starting a big, a big fuss right here in front of everybody. And the last, the last little thought is this. Some questions are only answered by God. We're going to get up here and we're going to give you some of our opinion. We're going to give you what we feel like the Bible says. And every time, just FYI, every time we give opinion, we're going to let you know it's opinion. But I'm going to try my best to always give you Bible, 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 because that's the best authority. But at the end of the day, there are some things that none of us can answer. There are some things the Bible just doesn't get into. And so there there are some aspects of life that we may not know until the very end. We may not know until we get to heaven. And so you need to understand that too, and and people need to understand that whenever they're asking you questions, they just need to know there's some things that I just don't know. Only God knows that answer, and that's okay. It's okay for me not to be God. Amen? Aren't we all happy that I'm not God? That would be terrible. You'd have to say it quite that enthusiastically. That's kind of, feelings are a little bit hurt. Okay, so today, let me just go ahead and tell you some of the questions we're going to be asking um and, and this is a, a friend of mine, uh his name is Brandon Neal. He doesn't go to our church, but he watches online. So Brandon, if you're watching today, this question is for you. Um he's a former tattoo artist, and so he said, Gabriel, I want to know about tattoos. He said, You should be telling us if tattoos are right or tattoos are wrong. He said, I want to know that. So today we're gonna talk about tattoos. And 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 I know right off the bat this is gonna be awesome and nobody's gonna get their feelings hurt because I saw lots of tattoos coming in the door today. I know we've got some people in our church that are very anti-tattoo, and so this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. We're going to just go ahead and split the church right down the middle um, with tattoos. Uh, the second one is suicide. Suicide's a huge, huge topic. This is a very deep and dark um, question, but people want to know, uh, will suicide send a Christian straight to hell? Um, that's, that's, a, that's a tough one. We'll get into it. Um, some of these questions um, are a little bit, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there's some of these questions, the way they were written, maybe a little bit confusing. And so we're going to give you our best answer. One of the questions, though, that we got asked um, is, is what, uh, water baptism. Do you have to be water baptized to go to heaven? We're going to ask that question. Um, someone asked us about communion, but their question was, communion, what's up with that? So, so, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you about that one, I mean, we'll help you, um, we'll give you a little thought on communion today, we'll try to help you out with that. Another one is, uh, is it, how do you know it's okay to have music in church? We've got a lot of people that come from uh, denominational backgrounds where they did not have music in church, and so today we're going to talk about, are we in sin, because John plays the guitar. John's in sin for a lot of other reasons than that, not the guitar. Um, Another question that uh, that we got the last two are this: How do I know my calling? Like, how do I know my calling? How do I know that I'm called to do something? And if I am called to do something, how do I know what it is? Like, how do you figure that out? Um, and and we're gonna let we're gonna let Bobby hit on that one uh, pretty hard today because a lot of a lot of times people think, well, when you're a pastor, you know your call. You're calling us to be a pastor, but. But what about my calling if I'm not a pastor or a missionary? What, then what's my calling? And so um, we want to talk about that. And then the last one, the last question we'll ask, and this is where we will dismiss you, let moms go take their pictures, go get lunch, whatever you're going to do. Um, it's going to be, how do I know if I'm actually saved? I don't know if you've ever asked that question before, um, but I spent a lot of years wondering, am I really saved You know, am I really saved, or did I just grow up knowing this? Am I just saved by osmosis, or am I really, really saved? Am I going to heaven when I die? And so that seems to be a a big one. So if you're ready, we're ready. Are we ready? Ready as we're going to be? we'll see. All right, let's go ahead and kick it off with tattoos. Who wants to hear about tattoos today? Go ahead and... Okay, yes. All right, all the people with tattoos just raised their hands. (laughs) Everybody else was like, leave us alone. Um... Okay, so let's start with Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28. Send them, to hell. Send them all to hell. Okay. Um, Leviticus nineteen twenty-eight. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, do not cut your bodies for the dead and do not mark your skin with tattoos. I am the Lord. All right. So next question. Next, next question. How many of you feel real good about your tattoo right now? Yeah. Alright, um, so the next question was suicide. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5. So here's, here's what I want you to hear. I'm going to read Galatians chapter 5. Okay, so right off the bat, we know, we talked about last week about the law. And we said in the Old Testament, God gave us a law, right? He gave us a law, and what did the law do? The law was a mirror, and the law revealed sin in our life. But one of the things Dad said last week is he said that there are different types of laws. There, there are moral laws, Right? Don't commit murder. Don't steal. These are laws that you know whether someone tells you or not. These are laws that were around before the law was given to Moses, and they will be around at the very end of time. Moral laws are eternal. There's never a place where we are wanting to murder people. That's never something that feels good in our hearts, right? And so you need to understand that. Um, Then we talked about there are. Um, there were ceremonial laws, ceremonial laws having to do with the temple and the tabernacle and how you, how you dressed and how you did things in the ceremonial laws. We know that when Christ came, he fulfilled those laws. How do we know that? A, he said that, right? He said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. Here's the cool thing about Christ. When we look at the ceremonial laws, they point to Jesus. They point to Jesus, And so there's a lot of the ceremonial things that all lead us back to Christ. And that was their purpose. The Bible says um, in the New Testament, it says that a lot of the stuff we read in the Old Testament, they are patterns and symbols that lead us to New Testament salvation. But then there was this other type of law called cultural laws. And the cultural laws are the laws that over time change because there are certain aspects of those cultural laws that were specific for that time and that place. When we're talking about this cutting your bodies for the dead and don't mark your skin with tattoos, we're going to read a couple of more thoughts on that, but you need to understand we're talking about some cultural laws. There are reasons this is in here. One of the biggest reasons was Baal worship, uh, pagan god worship. And one of the things, and you can look throughout scriptures and you can find um, the priests of Baal or the, or the prophets of Baal. And one of the things they would do to get their God's attention and to worship their God is they would cut themselves. And they felt like if they cut themselves that their God would listen to them. They would cut their hair in weird ways and shave their beard in weird ways. Why? Because they this was part of their practice. They also gave their children over to be prostitutes for... Worship of Baal. So whenever you just throw the word tattoo out there as a blanket statement for all time, you also need to understand that there were other aspects of these cultural laws that God was saying, hey, i got to have you separate. So here's the thing about cultural laws. Do we throw away cultural laws? Absolutely not. Here's what we look at cultural laws. We look at the heart and the principle behind the cultural law. Maybe the cultural law doesn't fit us today, but the heart still does. Maybe the idea of I can't trim my beard for this pagan God doesn't fit me today because I like to trim my beard. But here's the cool thing. What is the cultural law? What is the heart behind it? The heart behind it was I don't want you being just like everybody else. And as a Christian, do we want to be just like everybody else? Absolutely not. We want to serve Christ. So here's a couple of quick thoughts. Galatians 5. Um, uh, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. This is verses 2 and 4. Uh, if you're counting on circumcision to make you... We talked about circumcision last week for about a minute, and Bobby and I got grossed out. So today I'm going to talk about circumcision. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Listen to what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, if you're counting on the old law to get you to Jesus, then, then to get you right with God, then you've got a problem. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. In other words, if you want to depend on the law, if you want to depend on one thing, if you're depending on the fact that I don't have a tattoo and I don't like tattoos to get you into heaven, then you need to depend on every single aspect of the law. Okay, Gabriel, what are the other aspects? Leviticus 19, 27. Do not trim, the, trim off the hair of your temples or trim your beards. Josh is okay. He's good. He's good. His temple's got some hair. He's got a big old long beard. Josh but Josh is the only one. The rest of us are all hell bound. <laughs> right? So, so here's the thing. Kerry is, is rocking this goatee today. The sides of his face have been trimmed. Kerry, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm glad you don't have a tattoo, but you're still going to hell unless you grow that beard out. Leviticus 21.5. The priest must not shave their heads. Yikes. (laughs) I just broke that one this morning. I'm in huge trouble. Or trim the beards or cut their bodies. So, So here's what I need you to understand. There are some aspects of these cultural laws that we don't still... Walk in today. Yeah, but Gabriel, that just means you're changing them. No, the Bible says that Paul, on his missionary journey, took a vow to God. And guess what he did to show he took a vow to God? Shaved his head. Shaved that head. So what happened? What happened was there were cultural laws that said, hey, these are some some ways that people worship these demons. And I don't want you doing those things. Because I don't want people thinking you're worshiping those demons. And I feel like God had, and this is my opinion, what I'm about to say, I feel like God had to give people some specifics because he knew we were too dumb and we would try to still do stuff. So he had to give them some specifics instead of giving them the heart because they would still try to do it. And they did. In Acts chapter 15, this is where we start getting into a little bit of the the grace, we get into the new covenant. In Acts chapter 15, here's what's happening you got a bunch of Gentiles, a bunch of non-Jews getting saved. They're giving their hearts to Christ. But the the old school, the old line Jews that were also getting saved, they're still holding on to all the Jewish customs. So they're telling these grown men, Hey, I get it that you're saved now. I get it that you accept Christ. But now you need to go get circumcised. And these grown men, Gentiles, were like, say, what now? You want me to cut what? I don't think so. I don't, I don't want to do that, right? And so we got this problem. And so the Jews, the Jewish Christians are mad at the Gentile Christians, and they're not really saved because they're not circumcised. So they had to have a meeting. I'd be like, yeah, we need to have a meeting. Let's talk about this. So in verse 28, they finally, the, the church finally comes up with, with a thought. And they said, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. In other words, they said, look, guys, we're not going to put on you all of the weight of the law. Can we just focus on some of the essentials? Can we focus on the essentials? Let's, Let's do these few things. I'm going to end with this little thing, and then I'm going to let these guys talk about the other stuff. Romans chapter 14, verses 3, 12, and 13, and then we'll hit number 19. Paul is again talking to these these believers that are having the problems with the law. And here's what he says. For those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Verse 22, you may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts whether you should or should not eat something, you you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you're not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you're sinning. A couple of things Paul says here. He says, don't condemn other people over non-essentials. Tattoos are non-essential. It's not your job to condemn other people over a non-essential. Now, if they're out committing adultery, if they're out, you know, uh, murdering people, if they're out sinning, then yes. You have a right as a Christian brother or sister to say something to them about it. But if it's a non-essential, then you and I don't have a right to even get in their business about it. That's not our job. On the flip side, if you walk in the freedom of tattoos, it's not your job to look down on anybody that doesn't want to get a tattoo. If people say, I don't feel like tattoos are right for me, then guess what? Tattoos are not right for you. And Paul says right here at the end, he says, don't do it if you doubt it. There are things in my life that other people do that for me are not right. I've talked to you about this before. I told you about where I stand on drinking. I know lots of people drink. Lots of people socially drink. And that's fine. There's lots of places in the Bible where it talks about drinking. Do I have a higher standard? No, I just have a standard in my life that says I'm not going to drink. I never have. And there's no point in me ever starting. For me, that would be a sin. When it comes to tattoos, this is a non-essential. So we don't need to get in a huff about whether or not people have a tattoo. It's not our job to deal with that. But on the same hand, we don't want to flaunt it in front of people. Here's what Romans 14, 19, this is where I'll end this little thought. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. So here's my thought on tattoos. If you have a tattoo, that's fine. Have, Have all the tattoos you want. Tattoo everything you got. I don't care. I mean, personally, don't tattoo your face, right? My, I mean, your job prospects go way down when you start putting, you know, Mike Tyson tattoos on your face. Here, here's what I do think, though. I do think this. If I were gonna, if if my son, who's helping out in kids right now, if my son were to come to me and say, "Dad, I want a tattoo," here's the advice I would give him. This is Gabriel's personal opinion. I would say, son, I, if you get a tattoo, that's fine. You need to put it in a place that you can cover it up because you're going to encounter people at some point in your journey that are going to be offended by tattoos. And you need to be able to cover that tattoo up. Why? Because we don't want to offend them. Right? We don't want to offend them. I heard a man speak the other day and he said that his his whole life he wanted a tattoo, but he also felt a calling to go minister to Jews in Israel. So he'll never get a tattoo, even though he wants one, even though he doesn't feel like they're bad, but he knows that Jews... Don't like tattoos, so he won't get one. Why? Because he wants to keep a door open of ministry. So if you want a tattoo, get a tattoo. But make sure you understand why you're getting that tattoo. Here's the other thing. The Bible does say, if we're taking the heart, if we're taking the heart behind the culture, the Bible does say, don't get tattoos for the dead. Don't get tattoos for other gods. So I would consider very strongly what my tattoo is for. What does it mean to me? There are there are thoughts that the early Christians, and I don't have documented proof, but there are thoughts that the early Christians did tattoo themselves for Christ. They did have tattoos to to show each other that they were Christians. But I feel like if I'm getting a tattoo of some demon on my back, is that really something that God is honored by? I don't think so. And, And even getting tattoos when it comes to Honoring the dead. And, and I'm fine with that. I'm, that to me is, is not a big issue. I know people have had children or parents that die and they, they get a tattoo of the name on their chest or on their arm or whatever the case is. The Bible does say, don't honor the dead with a tattoo or with cutting yourself. I, I see the heart behind that. So maybe I wouldn't do that. But I don't see a problem. And that, again, that's my opinion. I don't see a problem if you're getting a tattoo that honors the Lord. I had a friend one time, every day at work, he was a mechanic. He had to wear a, a short sleeve shirt, and um, it was his uniform, and so he got a tattoo of the face of Jesus. Now, you and I both know, nobody knows what the face of Jesus looks like, so he got the face of some rando on his, on his arm, right? And, um, but it, he got it to wear strategically, where it just barely poked out the bottom of his sleeve, and you couldn't really tell what it was. And he said every time, people would say, what is that tattoo? And he said, I could roll up my sleeve, and I'd say, this is Jesus, I serve him, I'm a Christian, I love the Lord, let me tell you about him. I get it, man. That's fine with me. It doesn't bother me. Okay,
1: does that kind of answer a few questions about tattoos? Maybe, Bobby, you feel better now? Yeah, you're I was going to say, hell? as the tattooed member of this panel, um, I mean, I, I do. I have a tattoo. My tattoo is uh, our anniversary day, and uh, so it's just to honor our marriage and my wife. And we did that for that reason. I waited till I was a whole lot of years old, uh, and, and it makes me feel better too that Gabriel shaved his head this morning. I have a tattoo, so you're the only one getting. Now yeah, you trim that beard, that beard will send you to hell. But I will say this, the only, the only other thing I thought about while that was, keep in mind, and I'll, and I'll hit this theme throughout today because I think this is powerful, but we accept cultural laws all the time. Uh, when you go to a foreign country, you go to some countries and countries greet with a kiss. We don't do that here, especially men, um, and we're all thankful for that. Like if I rolled up the gym and I greeted Andrew with a kiss, it would be super weird um and andrew wouldn't let me come back to the gym let's just call it um it it just it it would be if we started doing that so but if you roll into a different country they do that it's a cultural thing uh we went to guatemala these guys have spent a lot of time in guatemala we had host homes cook us dinner and one of the things we were told is eat everything on your plate no matter what it is don't ask questions finish it because the odds are that family a is not eating anything because they're trying to feed you and they'll only eat what's left over so if they put in front of you get it down because that's honoring them. That's a cultural thing. We don't deal with that in the States. We don't eat the same foods and whatnot. What did we do? We rolled right up in their house and we ate it. And our food was delicious, thankfully, but we ate it and didn't check up. I only point that out, is, but I want you guys to grasp this. We grab cultural laws all the time. Mm-hmm. We just disassociate ourselves from it spiritually. And I don't know why we do that in our life. We want to have this spiritual side of us that we don't get things, but we do it all the time in the physical. You know, we accept cultural laws. I'm going to get kissed on the cheek when I roll into Italy or something like that. I don't know if that's Italy or not, but wherever it is, we're using Italy for today. Europe, they all Yeah, kiss Europe, they, they do the kissing thing. But in America, I'm not. We accept that, <laughs> but, we, but we don't elsewhere. So I just want to drive that theme home and get us to start thinking a little bit more of that as we look at the Bible and we get really honed in on these little cultural things.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, question number two, suicide. Does a believer still go to heaven? Um, yikes. This is one of those that, honestly, only God can answer. Only God can answer that question. Um, I know you want me to say, some people want me to say, that every suicide sends you straight to hell. But then there's some of you that have had suicides in your family, and you absolutely don't want me to say that. And at the end of the day, I'm not God. I've never seen the afterlife, and so I don't know. Um, I will tell you this. In the Bible, there are a handful only a handful of places where people committed suicide. Um, Most of the time... Um, it was not for good reasons, so the Bible says Saul was um, trying to escape an embarrassing death, committed suicide, not a great reason to kill yourself, but that 's what he did. Um, Ahithophel realized that he was uh, he was a part of a rebellion, and the king the guy that was rebelling against the king wasn 't listening to his advice anymore. so the Bible says he went and killed himself, not a good reason samson Samson had a good reason. The Bible says Samson died while simultaneously killing. The enemy, so Samson pulled down a building on top of himself, killed everybody in the building, and killed himself. And so there is a place there where, where that if you want to consider that suicide, I don't see that any different than than um, what we call a suicide mission in the military. You you run into a run into a place to try to save your friends, you die in the process, or you know you you jump on a grenade, you know you're going to die, but you're doing it to save everybody else or to whatever. I don't I don't see that as being a, a big issue. Um, the Bible says Zimri knew that he was going to die. He knew that his city was taken. And so um, before the enemy got to him, he burned his house down around him. And then Judas was influenced by Satan and full of grief and full of shame. And Judas killed himself. So these are the handful of times we even have anybody um, committing suicide in the Bible. None of them um, outside of Samson are good good things. And so uh, I would say, personally, I'll let Dad kind of speak to this a little bit. Um, the, reason, the reason there's not a lot for us to say on this, because um, there's a lot to take in. There are a lot of other reasons. If it's demonic, if it's sin, yeah, I get that. Um, but as a Christian, you know, we, should not be, we should not be killing ourselves because we're afraid of something. We should not be killing ourselves uh, because we're unsure about our future. I had a friend of mine that I went to church with. Uh, we did financial peace together, the Dave Ramsey thing. And we're all getting out of debt, and we're all loving it, and it's all great. And for him, it was the first time in his life he had really looked at his debt and realized that he didn't think he could get out of it. And so he went home and killed himself. And that way his wife got insurance money and got her out of debt. To me, that's not godly. That's just absolutely not godly. What, to me, his situation, he wasn't trusting God, right? Where was his faith? The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. I don't want to meet God in a place of zero faith. Um, and so, so those are some areas. But I understand mental health and disease um, come into account for this. We can't speak to that. But I do want to say this. We don't ever want to make an excuse for suicide. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you right now, don't do it. Like if anybody in here or anybody watching online, if you're considering this as an option Um, It is absolutely not an option. There are people that love you, that want to help you. Uh, You can call the church. You can call suicide prevention hotlines. Um, You you need to talk to somebody. You need to get help. At the end of the day, um, don't make a permanent decision based on temporary problems. Right? Right? Did you want to say something
2: about that? Uh, You about cover everything on there. I I think one of the the things for me personally as a pastor, uh, I've preached uh, three funerals. Of people that committed suicide and and two funerals of people that were murdered and there 's a heartbreak in there that when you 're trying to share concerning a person that 's killed themselves you don 't have a positive limb to stand on, uh, especially when you have children and teenagers in that service, and you 've got someone that has killed themselves, maybe they did it because of selfishness because they saw themselves and their problems, and they didn't think about the family. Or maybe it was pride. They thought about the family and said, I'm going to do it because of them. And, and I'm not wanting to hurt your feelings with that, but the idea is there are reasons why people kill themselves. And, and one of the services that I had to do was the man that shot his wife, shot his mother-in-law, might've been a reason for that, I don't know, but shot his, no, I'm teasing, I'm teasing.
0: Cannot tease
2: about that. Shot his, shot his wife, shot his mother-in-law, and then killed himself. Yeah. And I get preaching the mother and the mother-in-law because they were in our church, but this guy's family wanted me to come and preach his funeral who had murdered two people and killed himself. And I'm just saying this, if I get in front of people and say, everything's okay with them, they're with the Lord, and there's a 15-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 20-year-old that's in that service that has a bad grade at school or someone picks on them, and they're only out is they're going to take their life because they made it, then I can make it. I don't think that's a place where we in the ministry or as a church ought to give credence to try to get someone into heaven, as Pastor Gabriel said, that we don't know what happened there. I do know that Mark three twenty-eight and 29 says the unpardonable sin is blaspheming the Holy Ghost. We know that's unpardonable. When it comes to suicide, if it's mental health, there may be some other issues, issues there that we don't clearly see that God is going to be the judge of that. But to free freely give credence to it's okay, I think is a very... Thin ice for the church. One of the verses I'll read, and then these guys can do something else with it if they want to. This is 2 Corinthians 7.10. Listen closely to this. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So there is a place where sorrow can take you without repentance. That could be a spiritual death. I just wouldn't want to go there. I want to make sure that my heart is right with God. And if I have sorrow, that it would be something that would drive me toward God and not away from Him. And He is our hope at the end of the day. If you've got a bad family right now, you've got bad issues, you've got tough times, and you're saying the only way out is just going to be to take my life, I'm going to say right now, you put your hope in God. You put your hope in God. And if you're a believer, remember the Bible clearly says you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to Him. So for you to do something to that body, you might want to think twice about it. Yeah,
0: um, We're going to do water baptism next. And, and then communion. Um, for the sake of time, we may cut communion. The, the only reason is if you go to our uh, Gateway community page, Dad, every Wednesday, does a teaching um, during the day, you can go back and watch, you can watch it live or you can watch it, um, later on communion and takes communion. So you can take communion in your home or, or whatever, but that's every Wednesday. If you're saying, Hey, I'm not on the community page. Um, you have to like our Facebook page first. Apparently that's how Facebook works. And if you like our Facebook page, I can then add you to our community page. You can get on there. And he throws out a, a teaching every Wednesday afternoon, um, on communion, but let's go to water baptism. Uh, I'll let you guys answer. I've talked a lot. Tell me about water baptism. Do I have to get baptized to go to heaven?
2: (laughs) One of the things that Pastor Gabriel said at the beginning is, is that we don't want to be argumentative. And so to say that, I will say this, that as our church believes, we do not believe that you have to be water baptized to go to heaven. That's not in our belief system. If you believe that, great. But we're not going to teach that. That's not in our belief system, just to let you know that. There are churches that believe this way. I've dealt with this for years. We've been in a denomination. I understand creeds and people that say they don't have a creed, but yet they all believe the same thing. It's pretty much creed or their doctrine. And I do know in some churches, United Pentecostal, for an example, an apostolic Pentecostal church, they believe that you have to repent and confess Jesus Christ, then they believe that you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues. And they believe that you've got to be baptized in water, but not just baptized in water, in the name of Jesus only. And that's the only way you can go to heaven. Now, I'm going to wrestle with you on this thought right along there that you're going to put something between me and faith. You're going to put something else. Uh, between me and faith or getting to heaven, that I've got this, but I've got to get one more thing before I get there. So that's where I begin to break down on some of this. Uh, to, to want to argue that system, I would have to look to the Word of God and say, if, if, if it were water baptism and that was it, and that's what's going to get me to heaven, did anybody in the Bible get to heaven without water baptism? Yes. I mean, just read your Bible and you can answer that. Did anybody have faith and get filled with the Spirit before they were water baptized? If water baptism is salvation and that's going to get me to heaven, then were they born again before they got that? And the answer to that is yes. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, the Bible said that they received the Word of God. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Those of you all that are... Charismatic Pentecostal and you believe in speaking in other tongues, they did that before they were baptized in water. And Peter's resolve was, he looked at that and said, we could not not baptize these uncircumcised right? Yeah. yeah. We we baptize them in water. Why? Because they were born again, because they received Christ and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, therefore we wouldn't withhold this from them. So the idea is is it essential for heaven? I'm going to say no. Is it commanded of God? I'm going to say yes. Should every believer be water baptized? Absolutely. I think when we get born again, the next thing we do is we ought to be water baptized. Absolutely. I'm, I'm 100% for that. But if you're on an airplane and you give your heart to Christ on an airplane and that dude crashes before you get to the pool, the question is, did you make it? And some people say, well, divine providence, if you really got saved, God's providence would have made a place for you to get water baptized. Maybe if you crashed in the ocean, yes. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. I'm just saying, you've got to read the Word of God. Listen to me. Hermeneutically. Hermeneutically means you don't just look at a couple... A couple of verses and go with it. But you try to track this from the Old Testament to the New Testament and, and what happens. And even Peter, the one that said, we will baptize them because we saw this. Now we can do this. He didn't say they didn't get this. So we got to baptize them first to make sure that their faith was at the same time as water baptism. So they had a faith experience before the water baptism. He's the one that also wrote First uh, Peter 3.21. And we can have a, a good discussion on that. But that's where people will come and say, yeah, but the Bible says there you're saved by water. If you read that clearly... The Word of God is dealing with us with the ark and the water and the flood. The flood was not a baptism for Noah. He was saved through the flood in the ark. The ark is the key, and that is a shadow or a type of the antitype Jesus Christ. And the water is a type or an antitype of all of all of the... things he went through, the destruction and death he went through. So I get that. And there is a place, but Peter goes on to say, I'm not talking about the water that washes you clean. I'm talking about a mind that's changed, a heart that's changed, a conscience that's changed. So we can argue this, but I will say this as pastor Gabriel, and I'm going to shut up on it. But, but, but here's what I'd say. I would say, if I have a command of the Lord, I'm going to do it. That's right. If he commands me not to lie, I'm not going to lie. If he gives me another command to do, I'm going to do what he says. And so I'm going to say it's essential in the sense of in the sense of it is a command of God. But can you go to heaven without that? And my answer is you can. But why would I why would I if I know that the Lord says you need to be baptized? Why would I not do it? And one other scripture in Mark 16 it says those that believe and are baptized will be saved and those that do not believe will not be saved. They will be condemned. The key was on the salvation belief, not on the water baptism.
0: Um, I actually preached preached one time about water baptism. One of the things I said was the thief on the cross doesn't count because, uh, because that was before Christ died. That was before the new covenant. And then the other day, Dad and I were talking about this, and he goes, Yeah, but who died first, the thief or Jesus? And I was like, Jesus did. He's like, okay, then. He was already in the New Covenant. I was like, dang it, man, messed me up. (laughs) So even the preacher gets it wrong, and so that's good to know. All right, communion, again, check out his stuff um, online. Uh, One big essential is do it, do communion. That's good for you. Um, Number five, music in church. Is it right or is it wrong? How do we know? Yikes. Are we all in sin right now? It's a good question. We might be. Ephesians 5.19 is the only thing we can find in the New Testament that talks about this. So we got some churches that are going to say you can't do music in church. And the reason behind it is, is it said because it doesn't say specifically in the New Testament that you need to do music in church. I get that. New Testament doesn't talk about it. But if you look at the Bible as a whole, you got music all throughout the Old Testament. All throughout the Old Testament. So if you try to research music in the New Testament... There ain't none, right? The only verse that even comes close is Ephesians 5, 19. And it says, it's talking about a gathering. It says, you need to be speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and the songs of the spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. The word make music there means to, guess what? Make music, right? It means to play an instrument. And so there is this one place, but then it throws in that from your heart. So is he saying that whenever we come together, we should be singing with our voices out loud. But in our heart, playing an instrument, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But maybe that's what he's saying. So that's what he's saying. So maybe we should only be doing acapella music. I don't know. Let's see. Here's the thing that I, I looked up. So I did some research on this because I had the same question. I wanted to know. Um, in my research, here's what I found out. That there is a church tradition, long-time church tradition, not Book of Acts, not New Testament later on, where they said, let's not play music in church anymore. The reasoning behind it was because they felt like people were using their talents and abilities, right? This is a talent and an ability. They were using that and they were, it was becoming vanity for them. They wanted people to look at them and see them playing instruments. And so therefore, because it was vanity, they said, we should not have music in the church anymore. That's a part of church history. Here's the other thing: all throughout the history of the church, you've got people changing that. So there would be a time that said, "Oh well, I know they said in our tradition not to play music, but let's let's just have an organ." Right. Or let's just have this one instrument. And so there would be periods of church history where they played instruments and then someone would come back and say, oh, we're getting too vain. Let's shut it all down again. And so it ebbed and flowed throughout the history of the church. And so what we've got is we've got pockets of believers that have held on to traditions of man that are not mandates of God. There's nowhere in the Bible that it says do not play music. There's nowhere in the New Testament except for this one verse where it says you You can play music. So what becomes is it becomes a tradition of man, not a tradition, not a a mandate of God. Here's a couple of things that are also not mentioned in the New Testament. Passing an offering plate, which we don't do anymore. Not mentioned in the New Testament, but churches all over America do it every single Sunday. Here's another one. Having a church building. You want to argue about what's not in the New Testament? In the New Testament, they didn't have church buildings. So should the churches that say, we don't need to have music anymore, you know what they ought to do? Sell their building, give the money to the poor, and meet in someone's house. Why? Because it's not mentioned in the New Testament. Here's something else that's not mentioned in the New Testament. Wearing a cross or having a cross somewhere in your building. I had someone tell me one time, um, whenever we got uh, the Tin Valley building, the, the, one, the little bar that we renovated, um, we didn't have a cross On the outside or hanging up on the inside. And someone said you can't have it. Like they were legit, serious, mad at me. You cannot have a church if you don't have a cross. Where in the New Testament does it say that? Where in the New Testament does it say that we need to wear a cross? doesn't say it. But we do it all the time. Here's another one. Except for our church. Because we still don't have a cross apparently. (laughs) Now that I just thought about that. Here's another one. Wearing your Sunday best. Guess what? The Bible doesn't say what you can and cannot wear to church. doesn't say it. So everybody in here that's wearing nice clothes or you're wearing a suit and you think you're holy, you're not. You're uncomfortable. No, I'm just kidding. Some people are comfortable. No, you wear what you want to wear. The only place the Bible talks about wearing clothes to church is it says uh, in, in the New Testament, it says that... Uh, that some men will come in, some people will come in and they'll have a gold ring on their finger and they'll have fancy robes. Other people will come in and they'll be poor and dirty and wearing rags. It says, don't favor the guy wearing the fancy clothes. So in other words, he's saying, you wear whatever you want, that doesn't matter. As long as me as leadership, as long as I'm not favoring the people that come in looking nice, I don't care what you wear. So that just freed me up. I mean, wearing tennis shoes and And T-shirts, I didn't wear a T-shirt today, it's fine. Now, there can be cultural, right? So in our culture here at this church, I don't let people wear, I don't let men wear sandals on stage. And there's a very good reason for that. I don't like looking at your jacked up feet. (laughs) Most of the time when women wear open-toed shoes, they're painting their toenails. I'm cool with that but I don't like it when guys do it because I was at a church one time where this one guy always wore flip-flops on stage and he would always kick his flip-flops off and he had some hairy hobbit feet and they were gross and dirty and I didn't like it and I thought that's really nasty and doesn't look very good. So that's, there you go. I actually told somebody that one time and they showed up in flip-flops the next week. I was like, seriously? Okay. So does that make us feel better about music in church? We play music in church because it's our tradition. It's not mandated by God to not do it or to do it. Unless you read the whole Bible, and in the whole Bible, it is mandated. God says, play music. Play the, play the trumpet. Play the lyre. In the New Testament, also, I didn't get to this, but the book of Revelation, in heaven, they're constantly playing instruments. Constantly. There's, someone's always blowing a trumpet in heaven. So, so if they're doing it in heaven, and they're doing it in the Old Testament... But they didn't do it in the book of Acts. I think it's still okay for us to do it. We're going to do it until God tells us not to.
2: Since since I was condemned last week of being old and being here when Moses was. You weren't was, condemned. You just well, are old. Well, it is. Summer said that I will do two workouts to your one. Just thought. So. But, but the thing I wanted to say was uh, a good thought for us while we're teaching this is St. Augustine said this, it wasn't mine. He said, The Old Testament is the New Testament contained, and the New Testament is the Old Testament explained. The Old Testament is the New Testament contained. Abraham was in the Old Testament. He's the father of our faith. And, and he gets drawn in in the book of Romans to the New Testament. And it was on his faith. His faith was accounted as righteousness in the Old Testament. And he was brought through. The lamb that was slain was an Old Testament type of Jesus giving his life. I'm just saying, that's why we want to use Old and New Testament and pull these together.
1: Now, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm definitely the dumbest guy on the stage, so I'm kind of a simpleton when it comes to this. But if the Bible, yeah, I, I'm also the yeah. tattooed one, right? Uh, but if the Bible says, that, and, and God says, I am the Alpha, and the Omega, the beginning, and the end, you know, so the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament, right? Yeah. He's all the way through. So he's the same God. Nothing changed. Like, like it's not like God woke up and went, change plans. Yeah, I'm going to be a different guy right now. He's the same God. Since the beginning of creation all the way today, the beginning and the end, that is the word of God. Two of the seven words that they use in the Old Testament for worship, for praise, one's Tila, one's Zamar, literally mean to make music and to sing. Those are words of God. Those are those words going back to him. And this is the same God in the Old Testament that is the same God in the New Testament. Like Pastor Gabriel was saying, other things, I mean, there's no altar calls. I mean, if you look at Pentecost, the day of that, there's no altar calls in the New Testament. We do it all the time on Sunday mornings. Are we now a bad church? At Pentecost, it's like Peter said, All right, any of you guys that want to get saved, raise your hand. It didn't happen like that. Peter just preached, people got saved. So there's a lot of things that aren't there. Culture changes, things adjust, things go from there. Our clothes, Pastor Gabriel mentioned that. We wear different clothes than they wore in the New Testament. Do we need to go back to the robes and sandals and nasty, dirty feet thing? You know, I mean, is that, if that's the case. So I think there's a point of, again, I'll play the dumb card because it is for me and I'm a simpleton. So let's, let's strip this back and look at it with common sense too. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's the God of the Old and the New Testament, then how can he not want what he desired in the Old Testament? He can't change. God can't change. He's God. That 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 makes him not God if he changes himself. You see what I'm saying? So it has to be that way. So I just... Uh.
0: Well, and, and you're about to answer the next one, but let me also remind you what we said about not condemning over non-essentials. If a church doesn't want to have music, I don't care. Like it's fine with me. You want to sing acapella? That's a lot harder. You don't have music to cover up your bad voice, right? Like you gotta you gotta know your you gotta be able to sing. I'm all for it. But don't condemn other people because they do have music, or, or whatever your case is. Bobby, tell us how we know our calling.
1: Well, I think, and I'm going to come at this from two different ways. Um, you know, one, we know, we know the Great Commission. Uh, we know what it says. We know what it is. Um, go, therefore, I'll use the King James. Go ye, therefore, and make disciples among all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Like, and, and I'm not trying to give a very simple answer, but I want to go somewhere with this. But that is our calling. That is is the calling of every believer, to make disciples among all nations, to reach out, to be a verbal and actionable living example of Christ and to reach other people in what we say and what we do. So let's set that aside for just a minute. And I heard this uh, by another pastor, and it it freed me up so much, and and go with me on this, but a lot of times uh, people in ministry doing small groups, whatever it is, you get asked questions about, like, marriage, for instance. Should I marry this person? Do you think, Bobby, it's God's will for me to marry this person? So— Let's play this example real quick and say it's not, and you do get married anyway. So if it's not God's will and you made the wrong decision and you picked the wrong person, now you two are just eternally damned. Um, You can't be saved. You married the wrong person. You are out of the will of God. And that also means that the person that you were supposed to marry and the person that she was supposed to marry are now also, they're just hosed. They're going to hell too because you married the wrong person, so you screwed up their life, so now they have to marry the wrong person, and they are out of the will of God. Which means the person, that, the person that they married, that they were supposed to marry, now has to marry the wrong person. And by your one wrong decision, you have now cataclysmically killed the whole earth. You have just absolutely messed everybody up. Everybody's hose, because you operated outside the will and the calling of God for your life and made a wrong decision. Why do we think we have that much power? Right. Why do we think we have that much power? So I wanted to bring that out when we talk about our calling. Well, what is our calling? Well, you know, it, it, does it mean, again, some of us are called to full-time ministry and, 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 and to do exactly what Pastor Mike, Pastor Gabriel do. I, I am not in full-time ministry. I work at a, a financial technology company selling software. You know, I, you know, some of the most spiritual conversations I've ever had, I was telling Pastor Gabriel and Pastor Mike earlier, my brother and I went to Talladega, setting in a skybox of all things, and he asked me about dinosaurs, going back to last week's question in the middle of it. We did not watch one lap of that entire race. I walked outside while he went outside to smoke and drink the entire time. And we had one of the most deep theological biblical discussions I've ever had in my entire life at Talladega. Again, this wasn't, this wasn't I wasn't operating in my calling, and I'm doing that with air quotes. It wasn't in my job at that moment. It wasn't anything like that. I was literally just operating in life. So what is our calling? Our calling is to make disciples among all nations. What I want to encourage you with today is sometimes we just get in the way of overthinking it. Take a breath. Chill out. Can you make a decision and have God go, what am I going to do now? Are you that powerful? Can you go, you know what, I'm going to to leave the the business world and I'm going to go and I'm going to open a a flower shop. Is God going to look at you and go, well, I'm done now. You are now outside of your calling. No. No. No, he's not. He's not going to do that because you can still operate in your calling, which is to make disciples among all nations everywhere. In fact, I can operate a lot differently than Pastor Mike and Pastor Gabriel can. I'm dealing in the secular world at all times, dealing with different people and this, that, and the other. People are going to share things and talk to me differently than they are to these two just because I don't have the word the title pastor in front of me. I've heard several pastors before talk about getting on a plane and they won't tell the people next to them that they're a pastor because that way the person will talk to them. You know, they sit down and they tell them I'm a pastor, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, <laughs> how you doing? And they don't say any word. So when we talk about our calling, I think we need to take a breath sometimes. And I think we're really bad sometimes as Christians if we get in our own way of overthinking, overanalyzing. And, and, and it's almost like we have this perfection thing that we're striving for. And what we're actually doing is we're putting ourselves in a position of control and authority above what God is doing. And we have to realize that sometimes God's will is just to take a step. Mm-hmm. just to move why don't we instead of thinking what is this calling what is this calling what is this calling what can i do in the morning where i'm at today what what is his calling in the morning at my job today when andrew walks into the gym when i get on the phone for sales when you walk into the church what is his calling for me today who can i reach how can i pray for these people what can i do there and i think that's the bigger picture when we get in it because the bible is very simple make disciples reach out to people and go from there
0: yeah, I, I think that's it. I mean, do your calling. Your calling is to reach the lost. Where you do it is up to you and God, right? Where you do it is up to you and God. Um, there's, a, there's one thing I was going to mention and then we'll end. I'm sorry, we, we've gone a little bit over today, but we'll, we'll shut it down. Um, we do here at the church this thing called a shape test. It's, it's nothing special. It's just what we use to help people but um, you can go, I think it's Like You can go there and do it on your own. And it takes into account like your spiritual gifts, your heart, your, um, your abilities, your personality, and your experience. And it just kind of throws all that stuff together and helps you kind of see, what am I good at? Like what are the areas where God can use me? Because I believe God wants to use you where you are, right? He wants to use what
1: you already have. And he wants to multiply it and use it to bless other people. Um, I'll go ahead. No, just one other thought on that too we, we do this as well too and I've heard this said a million times We talk about mental health and we talk about physical health And we talk about spiritual health And for some odd reason we divide the aspects Into our life of if we're three different people um, You know I've got to focus Physically and I've got to get healthy there Well the reality is if I get healthy physically It's going to help me mentally and spiritually If I get healthy mentally It'll help me be better physically I'm one human there's not three parts to Bobby Child I ain't that complicated you know, I am one human, and oftentimes we split those things off, and we split those out, and we look at our life and how we approach it in different ways like that. So we forget to look at, like, well, what am I good at? I can I can build stuff. By the way, I cannot. I am not. My wife has legitimately actually told me, I wish you were more crafty. Like. I barely hold on to a man card. But I, I'm not that guy. But hey, you know what? I am, I am a talker. I am good at what I can do. I can talk with anybody. I'll talk you under the sun. It's, it's a curse and a gift. So sales is a naturally great place for me to go. So why not use the natural gift that God gave me mentally and physically and use that spiritually? Because they're connected. There's not yep. three sides of me. That's right. And just operate in that. That's right. Hey, I can talk. Let's sell stuff and talk about Jesus while we do
0: That's good. And go from there. Um, that's good. Let's end today. Uh, let's end today with how do I know if I'm saved? So the other night I'm I'm sitting at home, and um, I, I get a phone call from this guy. He doesn't go to our church, and he's a young guy, probably nineteen, twenty years old. And he says, "Gabriel, I've got a problem." I said, "What's your problem?" He says, "I don't know if I'm saved." And I was like, "Okay, well, let's talk about it." You know, I was like, "Do you do you go to church? Like, do you understand salvation? Do you understand the gospel?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to church." I, I understand all that, I've, I've always gone to church, I, I serve God, and, but how do I know if I'm actually saved? And, um, and you know, that was one of those things that kind of bothered me, because I, I feel like there's sometimes, in the South especially, everybody thinks they're saved, right? We're all born again, why? Because we all go to church every Sunday, and, and automatically, by osmosis, we become saved. And so I started really thinking about this question and, and pondering it. And so I want I to wanted just give you a couple of thoughts, and this is where we're going to shut down the message today. Um, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, it says, I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. John says this. John says, I don't want you to question whether or not you're saved. I want you to know that you're saved. I don't want you to go to your deathbed wondering what's about to happen. I want you to know what's about to happen. I want you to be confirmed in your spirit, in your heart, that you're a Christian. So I was studying and I came across three questions that I want to ask you today. If you're you're wondering, and maybe you're watching online and you're wondering, am I saved? So here's three questions I want to ask you that you can ask yourself even. Number one, are you believing the gospel? Are you believing the gospel? Being born again isn't about my feelings, it's about my faith. I'm married to a, a beautiful woman and I love her very much. But when when the alarm goes off at 5 a.m., my first initial thought is not, oh, I feel so in love today, right? My first initial thought is, hit the snooze, like, what are you doing? Why is it going off? What's the noise? It's not always a feeling that we have. Sometimes it's a faith that we need. Now, notice I put in there, are we believing, because the Bible says in John 3 16 that he who is believing right it's an ongoing process it's not a one time when I was 12 I prayed a prayer raised the hand shook the preacher's hand it's every single day am I faithful to the gospel am I faithful to Jesus Christ Am I believing every day that He died and rose again and He's coming back for me? Am I faithful every day? Am I believing that He washes me and cleanses me every time I repent, every time I turn towards Him? Is it an ongoing process? Am I believing the gospel? John 5, 24 says this, very truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Belief is the key. Faith is the key. That's the key. Are you believing in the gospel today for you? Number two, do you sense the Holy Spirit in your life? Or do you recognize, I think in my notes I put, recognize the Holy Spirit in your life? What does that mean? I thought you said it's not about a feeling. I get it. It's not about feelings and emotions, but what it is about is recognition. Do you recognize the Holy Spirit working and moving in your life? The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit, when we receive the Holy Spirit um, in, in, in the process of being born again, it says that he produces fruit in us. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. What is that fruit? Fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? I told you the story of my grandfather who was, a, who, who was very much a racist until the point that he received the Holy Spirit in his life and all of a sudden something changed, something clicked and he began to love everybody no matter the color of their skin. What happened? Was he saved before? I don't know that he was saved before. Was he saved after? Absolutely he was saved after. Why? Because you could see the fruit operating in his life. Do you recognize the Holy Spirit moving in your life? Do you recognize the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you? Do you recognize the Holy Spirit convicting you when you do something that's wrong? Do you recognize that it's wrong? Listen, someone that's not saved, someone that's not born again, someone that's not serving God at all, they could care less if they sin. It doesn't matter to them. as part of their life. But if you do something, and you're like, man, I recognize this is wrong. Something's wrong about this. I don't know what it is, but something's not right. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's good. Not everybody does that. Do you recognize the Holy Spirit working through you? Are you doing things, saying things, participating in things that you wouldn't normally do on your own strength, but all of a sudden you just feel this urge to pray for somebody and you don't know why you should pray for somebody? That's the Holy Spirit working through you. Romans eight sixteen says this, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And there's a last one. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me today. Let's end with this. There's a last one. Do you have a sincere desire to live for Christ? Is there a desire in your heart to serve God, to live for Christ? Listen, people that aren't saved, people that aren't born again, they don't have a desire to live for God. Their only desire is for themselves. Their only desire is to do what they want to do. But is there a desire in your life to serve God. To live for something greater than you. If there is. What was the old Jeff Fox story that You might be a redneck. You might be saved. Right? Yeah, but Gabriel, sometimes I still sin. And sometimes I still do things that, that, that are selfish. Yeah, I do too. I do too. There, I'm faithful to my wife. I love my wife. Every day I wake up. And I want to love my wife more. I want to, to serve her and bless her and provide for her. But does that mean that every single day, every minute of the day, I'm always doing things in her best interest? Absolutely not. There are times she and I've talked uh, recently, and I told her, I said, "Look, I'm just being really selfish." I'm being really selfish about this particular issue. And I know I'm being selfish, and I don't want to be selfish, but I'm being selfish. And I'm sorry. Forgive me. And guess what happened two days later? I was really selfish again, man. I did it again. I was just like, like we had a whole argument about this same same thing that we were talking about our future and, and what we want to do with our life and what we want to do with our family and, and all I could think of was what my dream was, not what her dream was. And I went right back to being selfish. Did it mean I didn't love her? No. It just meant I had a moment of selfishness and I had to, I had to change. I had to break that and recognize that. Sometimes I think we think, just because I mess up something, that all of a sudden God throws me out. No. You're not breaking relationship because you're, you do something stupid. Right? That's not the point. We're in a relationship with God. We're in a covenant with God. Do you have a desire to continue that covenant? That helps. Why don't we close our eyes this morning? I don't know what God's speaking to you today. I don't know what Holy Spirit is up to in your life. We've covered a, a variety of topics today. We've talked about music in church. We talked about suicide. We talked about tattoos. We talked about our calling. We talked about salvation. We talked about water baptism. We skipped right over communion. We talked about a lot of stuff today, but here's what I want to know. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What are the areas he's speaking to you about today? There may be some of you today, you're saying the Holy Spirit's speaking to me today about how I live my life. And you talked about those principles in the Old Testament and the heart behind some of these laws in the Old Testament. That means I need to be separated from the world. I need to be separated from, from what others are doing and from sin. And, and you know what, Gabriel, today I'm not separated from that. You talked about salvation and, and, and you know, I, I'm not sure that I am saved. I, I'm really not because, because I, I hear those questions you're asking and, and I don't know that those I can say yes to any of those questions. Maybe today you're not sure about your calling and you're just like, I just want to do something for God. Whatever it is, I want to do something. I want to make an impact. Whatever God's speaking to you today, I want to pray for you and pray with you. And listen, any Sunday, any Sunday after church, if you need prayer, come find me. Come find me. And we'll start setting up our prayer team again and have those guys out. But for now, come find me and I'll help you. I'll pray with you. But, but today, I want to pray with everybody in this room. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, nobody looking around, we're, we're having a little private moment here. If you're saying, Gabriel, I need you to pray for me, there's something God's speaking to me, and you're not even telling me what it is, but there's something God's speaking to me today. The Holy Spirit has spoken to my heart today. There's a, an area of conviction, an area of change that He's speaking to my heart. It may be salvation, it may be something to do with, with water baptism, it may be something to do with, with, with separation. I don't know what it is that He's speaking to you today, but you say, Gabriel, God's speaking something to me today, and I just want to pray. Just slip your hand up. You can put it back down, but I just need to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. 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 God, right now I just pray for everybody in this room. I pray for those that are, that, are, that are sitting in this place and they may not be serving you today, but they come to church, God, and they, they have a desire to serve you, but maybe they're not serving you. Father, I just pray that you would forgive us of our sins today wash us and cleanse us because today we want to believe and we don't want to just believe a one time belief we don't want to just just have this one time faith god we want to have an ongoing relationship with you i want to be believing in you until the day that i die god so today i just pray for each and every one of us god that we would accept you not only as our savior the forgiver of our sins but as our lord our leader and our guide god that we receive your spirit to to live in us and to to live through us to direct us and to guide us. God, I pray for people's calling today, that their calling would be sure, God, that they would would see that their calling is to reach the world. They would see that their calling is to reach the lost, to make disciples of all nations. And so, God, I pray that you would use each and every one of us, wherever you've placed us, whatever mission field we're in, God, I pray that you would open up those doors and help us to recognize them and allow your spirit to move through us, God. God, I pray for those of us that have been stuck in traditions and we've condemned other people over man's traditions, not over God's word. And so, God, forgive us today. Forgive us today for that and help us to seek out the truth of your word every single day. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives and in our church and in our families. I pray for moms today, God, that they would be blessed even though we didn't preach about them. I pray that you would bless them and minister to them today. Help them to have a great day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.